And welcome to our brand new series called When Pigs Fly. My name's Chris. I'm the senior minister here at ABC, and it's a privilege to welcome you, whether you're on site or if you're online with us today. It's great to have you here with us as well. Um, I wonder if you've ever used that phrase, when pigs fly. I wonder if those, some of those things resonated with you, or whether you've got other things that you hear and you say, oh yeah, yeah, when pigs fly. What about these? When a politician gives a straight answer to a straight question. Yeah, when pigs fly. How about this, when your kids do the homework, their homework before they want to watch TV? Yeah, parents, you know this, don't you? Yeah, when pigs fly. When your partner says, don't worry, I'll clean the kitchen. Yeah, when pigs fly. Some of you are doing this right now. I can see to your other halves as they're sitting next to you. Uh, we have uh, all these kinds of situations that go on in our lives where we think, yeah, that's really not going to happen. When am I going to get that dream phone or that dream car? Yeah, when pigs fly. Some things just seem too unlikely, too absurd, too get out of town, never going to happen, wishful thinking, when pigs fly. Maybe today, on a slightly more serious note, you find yourself wishing for a miracle, searching for hope, praying for the impossible, but it just seems so far away. It feels to you like the day that that happens will be the day when pigs fly. Well, what about if I said to you, today could be that day. Today could be the day when pigs fly. Now, I don't know what your faith background is, whether you have a faith, whether you would say you're a follower of Jesus, a Christian, whether you're struggling with it, wherever you are, I don't know where you are in that, whether maybe you're struggling with the idea of God. Maybe one of the things you've been struggling or wrestling with is this, if there is a God and he is all powerful, why don't we see more of that power on display? When it comes to God, when it comes to God being the God of miracles, things might be a bit tricky for you. This may be one of the reasons why you're struggling with faith. We all have questions, actually. And maybe in the past, when we have been searching for a miracle and it hasn't happened, somebody has said some well-meaning thing to us, but it's left us unconvinced or, at worst, hurt. And I want to assure you, if you're a person who's exploring faith, not sure what you believe, I want to assure you of two things, actually. Number one, you are so welcome here, whether you're on-site or online. You are so welcome here. We want to be a church where people who have questions and are exploring faith feel welcomed and loved and included. So number one, you are so welcome here. Number two, all the Christians who are here, who are watching online or who are in this room, they all have those questions too, including me. We may have experienced the awesome, miraculous power of God at work, but it hasn't happened as often as we would like it to. And we're wondering, why? Why doesn't God do more of that? Well, over the course of this four-part series, we're going to look together on this theme of miracles, and we're going to define a miracle like this. as A miracle is when the God of heaven intervenes on earth and brings change in the life of people. Things that just aren't possible unless the miraculous power of God is at work. We're going to talk about times where God does things that are beyond our comprehension, that can only be described as a miracle. Things we would have previously put under the category, yeah, 
when pigs fly. We'll talk about times when we would love to see a miracle and it doesn't seem to be happening. We're going to talk about faith and expectancy, but also trust and willingness to accept that God knows what he's doing, even if we don't know what God is up to. And in the story of God that we can read all the way through the Bible, I think there are four categories of miracles. There are four types of miracles. And all the miracles that we read about in the story of God, and there are loads of them, can all be put under these four headings. They are these, provision, protection, deliverance, and healing. And over these four weeks, we're going to look at those four different kinds of miracles. And today we start with the miracle of provision. Maybe today you're in need and you're desperate for a miracle of provision. And by the way, I'm not making this up. You could not make this up. Five minutes before this service started, I got a text message from somebody saying, I'm desperate. I'm ill, not very well. My husband's ill. He's not very well. We can't get out. The food shop people couldn't deliver what we needed. Is there any way you could help? And I said, no. No, I didn't. That's a joke. That's a, that's a joke. Of course we can help. It's be an answer to that miracle of provision. I'm sorry, I can't help myself tell those kind of jokes. It's just awful. It's awful. Anyway, so maybe today you're in that kind of position where you're hopeful for a miracle of provision. You're desperately in need. Or maybe you're in a slightly different place. We'll come back to that. All the way through the story of God in the Bible, we see these miracles of provision. When there's a story of need, there is a miracle, an intervention of God's provision. When there are thousands of people on a hillside needing to be fed at the end of a really long day and there's just a few loaves and some fishes, Jesus is able to do a miracle of provision and feed everybody. Or the time in the Old Testament, when the Old Testament prophet Elisha met, meets a widow who has nothing. And again, Elisha is in desperate need. The widow is in desperate need. And she shares with him the little that she has, the little oil and the little flour she has to make bread. And God miraculously multiplies what she has been given to do an extraordinary thing. And the oil never runs out. Whether it's bread from heaven, water from a rock, meat delivered by birds... When there was a need, God provided. And perhaps today you find yourself in the land of not enough. There's not enough. And you don't know where the next comes from. And you're asking, well, what can God do in that situation? I want to talk about three principles of provision today from two letters in the New Testament part of the Bible, written by a guy called Paul. And Paul was one of the first followers of Jesus. And he wrote letters to the churches that he started. And we're going to pick out just a couple of verses from two of those letters to talk about three principles of provision. And if you are the person who's in that land of not enough right now, you're in desperate need, this first principle is for you. Paul, writing in his letter to a bunch of people in Philippi, the Philippians, says that he has known what it is to be in need. He will resonate with you if that's where you find yourself today. This is what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And this is really important, because we're going to fast forward in just a second to another verse where Paul talks about what it means to have our needs met. But I want you to know, first of 
of all that what Paul is about to say, he says in this context of having in his life been in desperate need. And God hasn't seemed to answer that need. He's been in need and somehow he's learned to be content. He's known need and he's known plenty. Look then at what he goes on to say. And my God, I love it when Paul says this because he says, my God, this is so personal to me. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. But notice a really important distinction here, and it's this word here. He does not say, and my God will meet all your wants, dreams, and ambitions. Because a want is different to a need, isn't it? I desperately want to break 90 on the golf course. Yesterday was 94. So that's my, my dream, my ambition, and has yet to be fulfilled. There's a difference between a need and a want. God may provide for your dreams, but God won't always provide for your dreams. He may respond to your ambitions, but he may not. The most important thing is God provides for his will in your life. And when you're walking in sync with his will and his purpose, provision will be there. But that's not the same as in every moment of want, there being a story of fulfillment. Think about it this way. When you were a child, if your parents gave you everything you wanted, how would that have turned out? If you are a parent, if you gave your kids everything they wanted, how would that have turned out? Would that have been better for you or for them or worse for getting everything that they wanted? Worse, right? God will meet our needs, but not our wants. And so if you're in need today, check yourself as being in line with God's will. Cry out to God and expect a miracle of provision. Because maybe your greatest need is your greatest opportunity to see God at work. And by the way, you can let us know. You can text us and let us know that here is a moment of desperate need. And maybe God would use us to be the answer and be that miracle of provision for you here at the church. I'm going to come on to that in just a second. But this first principle that comes out of all that Paul is saying here, this first principle of this is this, when God guides he always provides. When God guides, he always provides. So often we fixate on what we lack or what others have, comparing ourselves with other people and what they seem to have. Instead, we need to fix our eyes on God and focus on him. The next two principles are for those of us who we have to be honest and say we're not in that situation of desperate need. It's not that we don't have struggles or challenges in our lives, but they don't have to do with day-to-day -day living, roof over our head, food to eat kind of stuff. That's not the place we're in uh, at the moment. So life may be a struggle, but those practical needs, we're okay on that right now. Well, these next two principles are focused around those of us who find ourselves in that situation. And I want to say this, we may be the answer to the miracle of provision that God wants to do in someone's life. You might be the miracle. How cool is that, by the way? You know, God, whether or not you believe in God, I think you'd have to acknowledge this about God. If there is a God, God could do all the stuff. But somehow, God chooses to work through us so often to answer people's prayers or to be a miracle of provision. God doesn't need to do that. He could do it on his own. But he chooses to work through us 
because it lets us be a part of what God is doing. I think that's the most extraordinary thing. I really do. If you have more than enough, then maybe God is calling you to be a miracle of provision for somebody else. Look at what Paul says in another one of his letters. This is in the second letter Paul writes to people in Corinth. He says this, Now he who supplies seeds to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He goes on, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. If you're not in that land of not enough, then you have been blessed by God so that you can be generous. That's what Paul is saying here. And God is able to take your generosity and multiply it. Just like, Paul uses this illustration here, just like the grain and the seed in bread and the microscopic organisms in the yeast that grow and multiply into something way bigger than the constituent parts when you bake up a loaf of bread. So God is saying, when you put your bit of generosity in with somebody else's bit of generosity, God is able to multiply that into way more than the constituent parts. And we can give witness to that for how God has provided for us as a church, particularly through this last couple of years. That's why we love to encourage generous giving to the work of the church, because my little bit and your little bit and your little bit and your little bit and your little bit, all going together can multiply to do so much more to help people in need, to do ministry, to, to raise kids and young people, knowing about God, all of that kind of stuff. We can do so much more than we can do if we just keep it to ourselves or just give our little bit and don't pull it with other people's. And this is the second principle of the miracles of provision. God is able to miraculously multiply what is given. And here also we find our third principle of the miracle of provision. And we've alluded this already. You might be the answer to God's miracle of provision. You might be the answer to God's miracle of provision. Look again at verse 11 of this letter. It talks about generosity so that you can be generous and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Again, this is so cool. If we partner with God in the miracle of provision, it points people to God so that other people will see God and give thanks to God too. It points people to God. What if God wants you to play a part in a miracle of provision in someone else's life. God doesn't need us, but he chooses to work through us, and that builds faith. In fact, I would say that some of the most faith-building moments of my life has not been when God has met my need, but when God has worked through me to do a miracle in someone else's life. My favorite, probably best story of all of this comes from a number of years ago. Some of you will know if you've been around the church. We have great friends uh, as a family in Sierra Leone. And we've done uh, quite a bit of work there. I've been there quite a few times. And some of our great friends are in a church called Regent Road Baptist Church, which is the oldest Baptist church in Africa, started up by freed slaves in Freetown, Sierra Leone. 
And we have great friends there, been there a number of times. And on one of the occasions we were there, that church is doing an amazing job out in rural and remote communities in Sierra Leone where the poverty is huge. It's one of the 10 poorest countries in the world. And they have started churches and schools and all sorts in various rural communities. And we went to one one day in a place called Tombo, which is a fishing village, a couple of hours drive down dirt roads outside of the city. And when we got there, the church was saying, we've started a church and a school here. We're doing some amazing things. It was incredible. And they took us to where the school and the church were. And they were two tin shacks. And in Sierra Leone, it's really hot. It's like 25 to 30 degrees sun, really humid as well. So can you imagine being in a school classroom in a tin shack with a dirt floor with the sun beating down? We went in and we saw all these kids in there. There were about 80 kids in this tiny church sh- uh, uh, a shack that doubled as a church on Sundays. Four classes, one blackboard between them and a couple of benches and everybody else sitting on the floor. It's an extraordinary thing. They were doing this amazing job. But it was clear to us there was a need because, you know, education for kids in that part of the world is so important. It's what lifts everybody out of poverty. And then the church people that we were there with, they took us about a mile up the road. It was really hot. We had to walk up the hill up the road. I remember it. So you could see that this fishing community was expanding up this hill. And you could see it. And they bought a plot of land, the church, partway up this hill. And uh, we were standing there, and it was still quite empty, barren land all around, but you could see the community, and it was a really foresighted thing to do, because this community was expanding there. They said, we really want to build a new church and school on this plot of land. And we all stood in a circle, I remember it, and we held hands, which wasn't great, because I was so sweaty, and I felt really sorry for the person who was having to hold my hand. And we stood in a circle, the three of us from our our team uh, from the UK, and we stood in this circle, and we prayed, and I remember this so clearly, we prayed that God would do a miracle of provision. God would do a miracle of provision. Well, we didn't really know what we were doing or or anything, but we just asked, what might this cost? And they said, well, for both the church and school, probably about 40,000 pounds, which in terms of like building here is not very much money at all, is it? But they're like huge. And can you imagine trying to think about that kind of sum of money? So we came back and we started talking to a few people and fast forward a few years, uh, the money had come in and been available and uh, and the school and the church were, were built there, which was an amazing thing. But then the money ran out and there was no furniture for the school classrooms, eight classes in this school. And we're like, what are we going to do? I don't know. You know, we can't ask anybody else for any more money, all that kind of stuff. I said to the uh, person in our church office who was uh, my assistant at the time, I said, why don't we just phone up some schools and see if they've got any furniture they're getting rid of? I think it was the second phone call. Assistant phoned up her local primary school. They said, well, you wouldn't believe it. It's just about to be the summer holidays. The council, we don't need it, but the council have decided to refurb eight classrooms in our school building. They're going to open plan them with all this kind of stuff. Our furniture is really good and we're devastated that we're going to throw it all away. But they've insisted we've got to have all new furniture in these classrooms. And they said, would you like it? We said, well, that'd be great. They said, well, you've got to come and pick up in the next week. It's all in the primary school assembly hall. It all needs to go. Pick up in the next week. So we went and looked at it. Because you know, this, this primary school assembly hall like stacked with, with tables and desks and chairs and those kind of um, uh, tray units. If you're a school teacher, you love, you love your tray units, don't you? There's all those tray units. There's like everything, whiteboards. There's the whole kit and caboodle. And we're like, oh, this is not going to go in the back of a car. So I, got, I went back to the office. I said to my I said, you wouldn't believe all this. I don't know what we're going to do. They said, well, we better start phoning some transport companies and see what, what we can do. We, we knew the shipping people who shipped stuff because we shipped loads of stuff. We just had to get them to the docks in Essex. But how are we going to get this stuff to the docks in Essex? So we started phoning up, and the, I think it was the first company we phoned up, local company. 
They said, oh, that's really interesting. We said, well, we're just wondering how much it would cost to have a lorry to take all this, blah, blah, blah. So they, they said, oh, well, we'll work it out and we'll come back to you. Half an hour later, the head of the company, whose name, I can't even remember the name, but he was like the head guy, it was named after him. He phoned up and the assistant, my assistant said, oh, I think you better speak to him. So I spoke to him. He said, just tell me again what you're doing, blah, 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 blah. He said, okay, no problem, we'll come back to you with a quote, put the phone down. Half an hour later, he phoned up. He said, we love what you're trying to do here. We'll just do it all for free, don't worry about it. And it's just like this miracle of provision. So we stopped, stopped this huge lorry, all went, shipped over. And just a month or two later, I got to go for like the official opening of the school. I think we might have got a photo here. This is the school in Tombow. These are the children, sorry, I'm getting a bit, a bit. These are the children sitting behind the desks from that primary school in that place in Sierra. It was just the most amazing thing. It's the most incredible thing, just it, it, absolute miracle of God's provision. And then I got to go and do a school assembly at the primary school that had sent all the stuff. And I got to say to the kids in this school assembly, you know those desks you were sitting at before your summer holidays? They are now 6,000 miles away being used in a school in a remote part of Sierra Leone. Can you believe that? See that, I mean, some people will say, well, that's just like coincidence, blah, blah. No way. No way. No way. That is a miracle of provision. And, and not, not for anybody else to look good other than God who does all of that. The most incredible thing. And to get just to be a, a part of that story is such a faith-building thing. You know, I, I, I wonder sometimes, this is, this is the truth. Most Christians I know, including myself, we have struggles and doubts sometimes. We wonder where is God? Why doesn't God answer this prayer, but he seems to answer that? You know, and, and they're complicated questions that we can talk about sometime. But we all, I think, and myself included, have those struggles and those doubts and those wrestles. But it's when I think back to those kind of stories, and I don't know why God does that one time over here and doesn't seem to do it over here, but it doesn't matter because I've seen God do it, and it builds faith and trust in me that if it's not quite happening in the same way over here, that doesn't mean God isn't still at work. He's just doing something different. And that builds faith and trust. The fact that God would invite us in to these kind of situations is the most extraordinary thing. We can be a part of the miracle of God's provision. And God would want us to do that. So three principles then. When God guides, he always provides. God miraculously multiplies what is given. You might be the answer to God's miracle of provision if you're willing to step out in generosity. And you know, the reason why so often we don't step out, we don't pray for somebody, we don't just step out into some kind of act of kindness to serve somebody, or we don't give generously, so often it's fear that underlines that, the reason why we don't do it. And there is such a difference between faith and fear. Because fear asks, what if I run out? Faith says, what do I have to give? Fear says, I can't afford to give generously. Faith says, I will give back to God and he will bless that. And actually what I do have, what I'm left with, will go further because it is blessed by God. Fear says, I don't have enough. Faith says, my God is more than enough. Paul reminded us, even though he had known what it was like to be in times of need, he reminds us that God is able and will meet all of our needs in Christ Jesus. And sometimes God will amazingly 
meet a need through us. A couple of really practical things that you can do. If maybe you're in that land of not enough right now, well, we would love to help. Get in touch and we can help. We have this amazing fund called a pastoral needs fund, sometimes called a benevolence fund, but I don't really know what that word means, so I call it the pastoral needs fund, where we can, it's a separate to all our other church funds, and we use it to bless people in moments of need. If you need help, we can help with that fund. But also, if you're in the land of enough, where you're blessed right now, then you can give generously to all sorts of different places, all sorts of different situations. But if you want to give, you can give to that pastoral needs fund, knowing it goes directly to help people in need. And you can do that just in the normal ways you give to ABC, but just in your reference put pastoral needs fund or benevolence fund, and that's where it'll go. You can do that through our giving machine in the lobby uh, set up to do that today if you want to do that as well. You can be the answer to the miracle of provision in somebody's life. And of course, it doesn't have to be financial. You can turn up on somebody's doorstep with a meal. You can phone somebody up. You can pray for somebody. There's so many different things that you can do to be an answer to somebody who needs something, a miracle of provision today. And if you do need a miracle of provision, cry out to God and see what God would do. Because today could be the day when pigs fly. Let's pray. Lord God, our Father, we thank you so much that you are the miracle-working God, the wonder-working God. We thank you that we can tell stories of where we've seen you at work. Or oh God, we thank you that we can tell stories in the future of where we will see you at work. Heavenly Father, for those of us who are in that place of need today, come and meet our needs, I pray, not our wants, but our needs. Guide us and direct us. Help us to focus ourselves on you. And as we do that, come and meet our need, I pray. And for those of us who would say, look, honestly, we have enough right now. I pray that you challenge us, Lord God, to give generously, to help be an answer to the miracle of provision in somebody's life.